Friday, 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 6.59 p.m. East Coast. We are in New York for as long as it's on the map. August 5th, 2022, and it's the first Friday in August. It's a hot one, too, at that. And tonight we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. We have friends stopping in and out. I see Matt is over there. Matt, how are you? Hello, Francis. And you have a kitten. Uh, you have a kitten I on do. your chest. I do. Tell everybody about this kitten. What What is her name? Duchess. Duchess. So no, no longer named Drunkard? No, it's a, it's a girl. Okay. You know, a, a, a girl could be a drunk as well. Yeah, I know, but... Needs a more feminine name? Yeah. So Duchess, like the Duchess Steakhouses? Yeah. Okay. Duchess County. Duchess County. So eight weeks old, right, you said? No, she's five. She's five. Five weeks old. Yeah. And she's trying to get all over. She met Pyretta before. Oh, you hear the squeaking? How cute. Wow. Oh, I'm glad you brought up cats before I did, because there's... A little business we have to get to in a little while. But anyway, that's Matt, and that's one of the other people, uh, uh, beings, that are sitting in here in the studio tonight. I think Anthony might pop in and out. But we're going to be talking, uh, we have some some news to do, some fun articles. We've got to do our Babylon Bee check-in, because those are always fun. And then we're doing the deer scene. Then we're going to learn about people's deer scene. You, and, you know, you, you never run out of stories because the audience keeps growing. And there's only so much we can do every year because it's a limited amount of broadcast time. So thank you for sticking it out for another week. It's been a great week. We had a fantastic time last night with Amazing Polly, with Polly St. George. And I have um, I've received nothing but glowing, glowing and very happy and positive feedback and I think she's going to come back uh, around mid-September so sometime around the 13th I'll put it on the, the the agenda and I'll let you know for sure on Monday the 8th okay well I want to thank bluemonsterprep.com please take some time over the weekend while you're getting all your groceries while you're doing your cleaning in the in the house getting ready for the new week and just taking inventory of all the stuff you have and you need always remember the stuff that you need that you only need to buy once and that is your your uh, storable foods water supplies first aid stuff anything that you could be able to pack a vacation home or uh, pack a, a bag that you keep in your trunk so if you have to get on the move you get on the move. Even if, if you don't have a, a house in the mountains to go to, just get in your car, stay in the car for a little while, and just get 50 miles away from wherever the trouble is. Anyway, BlueMonsterPrep.com is an internet superstore for all of your prepping needs. All of it. All the most important stuff. For the financial stuff, you go to Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. You get all of your physical gold and silver. But as far as food, water, First aid, all that kind of prep to save your life in the immediate. Go to BlueMonsterPrep.com. Use promo code FRANKLY. We have a very lucky situation. There's a lot of people out there using great, really, really solid services like My Patriot Supply and stuff like that. But we have such a lucky, lucky situation where our providers are pretty much just tending almost exclusively to our audiences. Obviously, they have 
other clientele, but we are we were the first show and I think one of the only shows that they still sponsor. So go ahead and get that private attention. BlueMonsterPrep.com. Use promo code FRANKLY. All right. Well, Monday we got Matt Christensen coming in. Nick Fad is coming in on uh, the 10th. I got nobody on the 9th, so we'll just chill that night. Um, Nick Hinton is going to be on with us next Friday. Author, researcher with a flair for the extraterrestrial and the interdimensional. So that'll be great. And, um, and yeah, yeah, there's a lot more coming our way. So let's jump into the grab bag just for a little bit. And I have to bring up a few serious items first. A few serious items first. Now, I got this email from a friend of mine. And he says, Frank, the end may be near. Now, I don't know what end that is. The end of this war that he's referring to or the end of a few other things. I don't know. I got this email, received a report by phone somewhere from the Russia area that today uh, Lavrov, I think it's Sergei Lavrov, made a statement in Russian, not yet in mainstream media, that they have proof of U.S. bio-warfare operations in Kiev and Odessa, which necessitate these labs, quote, be destroyed to save humanity from another pandemic, end quote. Possibly it has been known since March, but they were not ready to act on it, but have decided to do so now. And if you remember, in March, that is where Lavrov was coming out. This, then we have, the, obviously, this is straight from the Russian news a, uh, agency. Straight from there. So, uh, I understand it's straight from there. But this is what we were reading around March or so. Uh, let me get it up real quick. Lavrov warns U.S. biolabs pose deadly threat to uh, to enormous amount of people. This was around the time that they started really upping the defensive posture around how people are taking in information about this and formulating ideas about what may have been going on in that sense. That's when people started taking all the maps of the alleged biolabs and then overlaying it with the maps of where all the Russian airstrikes were, and they were seeing that it was almost perfectly matched up. That's when Marco Rubio went out with Victoria Nuland and did that ridiculously canned exchange about um, if there is going to be a bio attack. Are you 100% sure it could be anybody but the Russians? Oh, no, Mr. Rubio. It is only the only that it's it's classic Russia to bio attack people. So that's um, that was back in March, and obviously somebody was waiting to to pick up some more pieces. But that is what I have been told is making the rounds in the media in the Far East. Has not been here yet. So who knows what happens by Monday? What the headlines read? But we'll see. Also, I got this from the Daily Mail. Biden is still COVID positive. President's physician says his cough is almost completely resolved on the seventh day of latest virus battle that's keeping him in the White House isolation. Now, something about this ain't right, and everybody's been wondering, is this going to be the kind of thing that they're going to use to eventually usher him off of the great stage? But uh, you know what's really messed up? You ever see that, that movie Road to Perdition? Well... If we're going to overlay road, some Road to Perdition characters in here, Joe Biden is John Rooney, the boss, and Hunter Biden is Connor. If you remember, Connor was only alive because John Rooney stayed alive. I, I, I think the only thing keeping Hunter alive right now is, uh, is Joe. I, I really do think so. 
I mean, he's a major liability, a major liability. And if they don't have to keep propping up Joe Biden in one way or another, I really think that guy is more of a problem than he is a uh, an asset. So that, he he better he better pray his father keeps ticking or finds a new body to be in, entered into. So oh, I think he'd be pretty easy. Oh, whoops, sorry. Go I with. think he'd be pretty easy to get out of the picture. He's a fucking drug addict. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, there's there's more than ten thousand ways to skin a cat. You know, he's. <gasps> Oh, not that cat, though. Or Pyretta. Or Lila, for that matter. No skinning cats tonight. She's calm now. Okay, here's a little something for you, Matt. What do you think about this uh, this story right here? Headline. Man starting fires in Oregon gets tied to a tree by locals. Look at this guy's face. (laughs) He looks like he just finished doing something else in the woods with his mouth. Yeah, I know. Uh... In an unsettling event that took place on Monday, a man from Veneta, Oregon, by the name of Trennan, uh, Trennan Smith, was starting wildfires in a remote forested corner of Oregon, as reported by the Oregonian. According to a sheriff, the man was tied to a tree by three local residents until authorities arrived. This could not have come at a worse time, with many parts of Oregon facing an extreme record heat wave, with temperatures hitting triple digits in the northwest. Seattle and Portland are under excessive heat warnings until Thursday evening. That's tonight. No, that's last night. Earlier this week, a, quote, white male adult. I hate them, don't you? Uh, yeah, they're usually racist. White male adult was seen walking along the gravel road that leads toward Mariel Lodge in Rogue River Ranch, starting fires. And you know what fires are, a, are closely tied to, right? Antifa? Racism. Oh, yeah, yeah, because book burnings and cross burnings. And just because fires mean. And fire, yeah, it, it helped advance uh, racist white people. Curry County, uh, Curry County Sheriff John Ward said... J- it, John Ward. Is That's that where, where he's been? Is that where he went? He's a sheriff now? Bro, deputize me, bro. I'll clean up that town. The fires were started in areas only accessible by Rogue River or Forest River. That sounds like a name of a Netflix... Rogue River, Season 3, because Lauren watches Virgin River. Rogue River, Season 3, where all the, the horses get shot dead. I, um, I was watching a... She watches this other... Uh, Lauren and her sisters, I think they watch this other se- uh, series called Heartland. And they're all like ca- a horse... Horse... I don't know. They raise horses. And oh, it's a, like a documentary thing? No, 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 no. no. reality shows? No, no, it's, it's a scripted thing. And um, I, I feel like every other, every other, I, I ask her, how many horses did they put down this season? They're always shooting horses in the head. So I make, I make jokes I'm about it. i surprised Lauren watches that. Animal yeah, cruelty. She, it's very cruel. It's very cruel. Heartland, every show, they have to put a horse down. It breaks a leg. It gets rabies, gets, gets bit, bit by a skunk. They have to blow its brains out. Uh, Local authorities, including state and county, as well as federal, had responded to a radio call from an employee at the U.S. Bureau of Land Management, BLM. I was seeing that. I was wondering what BLM roads means. I'm like, what is that, roads that it's, you know, not for whites? Reporting... Uh, reporting Smith was along, uh, walking along the gravel road, igniting fires around 25 miles northwest. You know, this guy looks like he was just right. Look, look at his face now. And just think of him walking around at night lighting fires. He said, looks so sad. What yeah. a sad, pathetic. Well, that, 
That's you think he's he's not sober, is he? Probably not. He's probably on some type of prescription medication. He looks a little peaked. Peaked. Yeah. Little peaked. Yeah. A little pale uh, and and sickly. Yeah. Look at him. Look at that. He's uh, got a uh, malaise. He's got a malaise. his face. And look how he's he's pouting and puckering his lips. He's probably a registered Democrat. That was probably one of those people that say they care about nature and the environment, and that's what they do. Yeah. I don't even litter. This is just getting worse and worse. Okay, so that's the end of that story. Um, now we got this. I don't you hear about this, Matt, but you'll like this story, maybe. Remains of Hessian soldiers unearthed at Revolutionary War yeah. battle site. Yeah, he probably got offed at the uh, Battle of, uh, of Trenton. Remains of a dozen Revolutionary War soldiers who were killed in battle two centuries ago have been uncovered in a mass grave in New Jersey. Scientists, maybe that's what the, the smell was in New Jersey. Yeah, Hessians. The mass graves. Scientists and officials said Tuesday, researchers believe that they have located the remains of as many as 12 Hessian soldiers. German troops hired by the British in a field at Red Bank Battlefield Park along the Delaware River in Gloucester, uh, Gloucester County. Gloucester County. I don't know how you say that. The remains were only discovered after a human femur, that is a nose bone. It's a leg bone. Human femur was found back in June during a routine public archaeology dig at the site of the 1777 Battle of Red Bank. Further excavation uncovered even more skeletal remains, as well as a a pewter and a brass button, or brass buttons, plural, uh, and a George, King George III gold guinea. What is it? What is a guinea? It's a, uh, it's a, it's a gold round. Officials believe... Fucking racist is what it is. I'm offended by that. Look, that's a gold guinea. Yeah, I'm offended that it's called a guinea. Well, you know what? Take it up with the British. Might as well call a fucking uh, a slick ball or whatever. What? Grease ball. Grease ball. Slick and they, ball. Uh, I, I draw you. Oh, get out of here, you dumb slick ball. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a real... That's That that cuts right to the heart. That that kind of uh, insult. Lauren just texted me. said, stop it. They do not. They do not put down the horses every... Maybe I exaggerated a little bit. They might have put down one horse, but now I just... Maybe I exaggerate. It's not every show. Um, but yeah, no, the the gold guinea. King George III gold grease ball. That's what they called it. And it actually looks a little bit more like a ball because it's round. You don't see that stat? Go up. Go what? back up. Up again. Hold on. You see that? Officials believe Hessian soldiers were among the roughly 377 troops killed by colonial colonials forces during the battle. 14 American soldiers were killed in that battle. What the fuck? Fucking 377 of 14? Yeah, that's, that's a bunch of fucking farmers? Yeah, that's pretty bad. Pieces of shits. It, it, wait, wait. Now, if that's, if that's really the, the total, 14 American soldiers killed in that battle... Versus 377. Of, and these are mercenaries. These are people who are hired to do nothing there but were, wage war. Yeah, they're the elite of elites. That's like in, uh, in Game of Thrones, that's like hiring the gold company. That's what the Hessians were. They were just professional soldiers. So, damn. Uh, she's calm now. 
the ba- the cat. Yeah. Now tell me what you think about this, Matt. Before we go to break, Rice University researchers are turning dead spiders into necrobots. So they control it when it's dead. Yeah, man. Huh. Like something out of a zombie film, mechanical engineers at Houston's Rice University are giving new life to dead spiders, repurposing their inanimate corpses into mechanical gripping claws that can be used to pick up objects. Uh, the process, a new area of research dubbed necrobio- ne- necrobotics. Oh, this is so bad. It's such a waste of fucking time. How much money did they put into this? They have stuff that can grab stuff like that already. Yeah, but it's it's never about you're looking at this, and I don't know how far. Well, I it goes. know what it's about. It's about like getting to the point where it's like uh, that movie Ed and His Dead Mother. You ever see that with Steve Buscemi? It was his first movie. His mom dies, and the guy comes. He's like, "Oh, we can bring her back. We can reanimate her, or whatever." And they do. No, I never saw that. That's well, I don't know what the what this is what this is going toward. What the technology that is being tested right now is eventually going to become. Um, obviously, people didn't say, you know what we need to do. I think it would be really convenient if we turn dead spiders into object grabbers. They're, they're just trying to figure out the technology's application in giving, you know, in reanimating dead, you know, dead bodies. So what the hell is that about? I have, I have no clue. I don't know. We know that they can remote control human beings. Uh, we we learn just how that can be done on a cellular level by with those uh, those lectures at West Point in 2018. We watched that on the show. So this is just nuts. The process, a new area of uh, necrobotics is so morbid. That is so morbid. But why spiders? Preston's lab specializes in soft robotic systems that often use non-traditional materials as opposed to hard plastics, metals, and electronics. He explained in a recent news release that dead spiders have a perfect architecture for small-scale, naturally-derived grippers. Spiders are also biodegradable, he added, and as, uh, and as such are more environmentally friendly alternative to current robotic systems. This area of soft robotics is a lot of fun because we get to use previously untapped types of actuation and materials. The spider falls into this line of inquiry. It's something that hasn't been used before but has a lot of potential. I want to know what the potential is. What is the potential? Spiders do not have antagonistic muscle uh, pairs like biceps and triceps in humans. Um, Mechanical engineers and lead author of the paper said in a release, they only have a few flexor muscles which allow their legs to curl in, and they extend them outward by hydraulic pressure. When they die, they lose the ability to actively pressurize their bodies. That's why they curl up. Wow. So, there's, uh, let's see. Suggests that necrobotic experiments can potentially be used for things like pick-and-place tasks, sorting or moving objects of, sm- uh, of small scale, Assembly of microelectronics or capturing smaller insects in nature. So, yeah, I did. So I don't know. That's what they say. Well, the Russians made that dead dog uh, head move and shit. Remember? Yeah, yeah. They re- well, they brought it to life. They they got the. It was just a head. It was 
it was hooked up to almost like a dialysis kind of a thing. It was feeding it blood, and it had sensory reaction. Mm-hmm. Like they they put a little bit of a, I don't know if they said a, a little bit of a sponge or something that was soaked in lemon juice. Uh, by its mouth and it licked it and it was it, it responded to scent and smell it that's another morbid thing and that was as you said like 60 something years ago yeah. they could definitely bring people back from the dead god forbid god forbid exactly that's why the world's in the, the state it is right now well we have a lot of good stuff to talk about we have to do some yeah. thi- no, no, no 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 you didn't see that you didn't see that We'll talk about that in just a second. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Share this show far and wide. If you're watching live or on demand, get it out to your friends, and we will be right back. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! That's that's talent right there that we didn't even practice that, but we knew where we were going. (laughs) That was good. That was good. Welcome to the chat, everybody. Okay, so... I have some things I want to do real quick off the bat. Before we get started, I hate to bring this up again. Matt, I'm sorry I have to bring this up again because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, like, harass you at this point. But there were some pictures that have now surfaced regarding the whole cat person thing. Oh, oh God. And I brought a kitten with me today. Look, I trapped this kitten at the, the DPW down in fucking Larchmont. It's not my kitten. Like, my kitten. I didn't... It didn't come from my loins. Well, you're, you're a male... Ki- if you would be a cat, you're a male cat anyway. You, I, I would be a lion. Anyway, uh, first thing I got to bring up, there's two pictures. In the one first picture, this was sent to me by an anonymous source, and it, this is in regards strictly to Timothy Alberino, which I it showed up in my email, and I real honestly I think it's damning. He's the because he's a he's a cat. Uh, and he, you it, see, here it is. This, this <laughs> is this is damning. This showed up in my I don't know who said this to me, but he, he even has the Thundercats shirt on. I don't. Where did this picture come from? 
Where did this picture come from? This is damning stuff. Yeah, this is just, without a doubt, that just proves that that guy's a cat. He's <laughs> an... <laughs> You've never seen a picture of me with cat ears, or you've never seen me well, drinking warm milk from from a, a dish. Well, don't go don't go too far because there is a second picture. Uh, this is what I'm talking about. Now, here is the here's the first picture that showed up anonymously. Um, but that's not all. As it pertains to you, Matt, oh. there is a picture that has surfaced that implicates both you and Alberino in cat shenanigans, and uh, here it is. <laughs> I, th I don't know where this came, came from either, but it's very it's, disturbing. It's doctored. It's, it doesn't look doctored to me. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't look like me. I don't think that's me. It's just. It's just a witch hunt. I don't know. It looks like you guys are playing. Or the first picture was real. This one, you can tell. It's. It's. It was edited. This comes to my. I get very valuable intel that's sent to me over the week. What do you want? What do you want me to say? So I think that who, this... Who gives this to you? I tell you... I want their name. I want it. I want to know who it is. I don't know, but this is... It's just very weird to see you guys in your element like this. It started off as a joke and a, sus a suspicion. But now... Okay, well, anyway. That's that's all we have on, on that end. Hey, what do, you, what do you think about Alex Jones? He's getting absolutely railroaded. And it's not even... It's even barely about him. It's about everybody else. I just hope that he doesn't go broke and kill himself. That guy's not going to kill himself. I don't know, bro. That's not going but to. Yeah, but the, the most gangster shit ever in any trial was when that guy asked him about the pedophiles, and he just straight up said, Oh, what? You mean like what Jeffrey Epstein did for the Clintons? Did with the Clintons. Did with the Clintons. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. His lawyer was probably like, Oh. There's been a couple of recuts of that that I thought the the classic Thug Life one was good. I like <laughs> I like the one that they cut with the Joe Rogan reaction. <laughs> that one. I just wish that there was a little bit more. I have I was looking for some clips that showed a little bit more of what happened afterwards after his answer, and I I didn't I haven't been able to dig it up myself. It'll probably come out. But sure, yeah, they're exists. treating this dude like Jesus Christ, man. It's such bullshit what they're going after too. It's is they don't people don't understand this is dangerous, bro. Oh, it's very dangerous. Well, and, how and how much think, is he up to? Fifty mil? It well, to, yesterday it was four point two million. Today's forty five. So over fifty million. Not only that, at the same time, these Sandy Hook parents or whoever is pushing them to do this, are now. I think I read that they are getting a seventy three million dollar settlement from Remington. Yeah, they can. From people Remington. can sue the uh, the gun manufacturers. Right. Now they're going to try and put them out of business. It, it, it's it's unbelievable. You you manufacture something. Uh, you manufacture something. Somebody goes uses it to in a in a crime, and you're complicit. Yeah. It's it's incredible. I should sue uh, Volvo because that was the type of truck that rendered me uh, back in January. Well, what was the uh, the car that the Waukesha uh, massacre terrorist? Wasn't he in a van? Yeah, a red van or something like that. We you should definitely take that car manufacturer out, yeah, I think level it. Plymouth Voyager. Just and to think that this is a couple of years ago. No, not a couple of years ago. Obviously, I, I don't know. It's over five, six years at this point. Alex Jones, he was the litmus test. What, 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 no matter what you think about the guy, um, whether it just be his presentation or whether you think that he's authentic from where he's coming from, if he's controlled opposition, it really doesn't even matter. 
in this case, it doesn't even matter. The fact that he was a litmus test, that he was a stress test for what we would allow our culture to drift toward when it comes to censorship and them taking him off of every social media platform there was, Pinterest even, things that nobody even uses. And uh, the fact that they did that, and it was just like, okay, well, that's not nice, but it is Alex Jones. No, we failed the test. Look at this shit. Look at this shit. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it'll start with him. This is 50, $50.2 million over words, no matter how insensitive they were. It is incredible. Incredible. Meanwhile, you have Bernie Sanders supporters trying to actually gun down the entire Republican softball team a few years ago, mm-hmm. putting Steve Scalise in the hospital for months, and, uh, and, and nothing. Now, that's, a, that's a physical act of violence. Words. I had a chance when I went to the Million uh, MAGA march. Alex Jones was there, and he had a, a megaphone, and it wasn't, like, very powerful, and I had a brand new one. I was like, yo, should I give him the microphone, the megaphone or whatever? I, I didn't. I think back on it. I should have. Because then that we would have been friends. Wasn't that the day that you saw him with, did you see him with Michael Flynn or what? Yeah, yeah. That's my, me and Mike uh, from Maryland. Yeah, I went down there. It was the Million MAGA March, the one in November. And that's when, yeah, uh, I was there for like 10 minutes. If Mike was staying there, I don't know. I was like, Gerald Flynn. I was like screaming for him. And he's like. Uh, he just goes like that. That's right. That's right. That's when you guys locked eyes yeah. and made a connection. Yeah. Then we're friends. And then Trump uh, once, well, the first one when I touched the beast went the window and he gave me five. And then when he did the flyover on the crowd on the Million MAGA March, he waved to me. He saw me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I remember you saying that. And you also had the video of him driving by you in the, uh, I have the car. have that video of me getting a Once high again, five from Donald Trump. Looking straight at, into your eyes. And that's when actually I had this problem that right after it happened. The tooth. Yep. I had this fucking he pain had a, in the tooth. He had a rotten tooth. It, it had cracked or it something. It cracked and it hurt and I didn't want to pay to have it taken care of. So I was going through all this this pain and whatever and then right after that the tooth fell out i looked at my boy i'm like yo my tooth just fell out bro he's like oh fuck i'm like bro it doesn't hurt that you he's know fucking magical bro so he it, can cure leopards <laughs> <laughs> you could you could all those poor suffering leopards out there um that's in, that's interesting there because we can that's that's one miracle that we can attest to Donald Trump. If we can find two more miracles, he could be made into a saint. Well, he fixed the economy twice when they said he couldn't. Okay. <laughs> we just we have to just confirm a few more miracles. We have your tooth. He drove by you, looked at your eye, your tooth fell no, out. No, we touched the window. Oh, he, you th- he, we sent me his energy, dude. I'm telling you, this dude, I saw his fucking aura. It was fucking golden. Well, well, that's hey. You know what? There's 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 so much to be hopeful for. That's what this this story tells me. So much to be hopeful for. Uh, you want to do some? <laughs> let's do some Babylon B headlines because it's been a minute. It's been since last week. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here we go. Uh, first Babylon B headline. Hold on, let me put Matt on top of Matt right here on top of. 
me. There you go. Gideon's now smuggling Thomas Sowell books into public schools. <laughs> there you go. Uh, here, here's another one. A quote from Dick Cheney. Never has America faced a greater threat than Donald Trump, says the guy who started two wars and shot a dude in the face. <laughs> He's still alive. I'm glad. I'm glad they brought this up. I said this. <laughs> two wars. Two wars and millions of lives. He's still alive. Um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, he's still kicking around and That's and uh, being projected like this. Goes to show you, if you've got enough money and enough power, you, you can be kept alive for years and years. This dude should have been dead a long time ago because of his heart. Well, he's gonna. He's, he already said that when the time comes, he's gonna transfer his soul into Liz, and he's just going to start working her like a puppet. A little bit more intimately, I guess. Here you go is another headline. Mormon wedding turns into wild rager after someone slips some caffeine <laughs> into the punch. <laughs> That's it. A little bit of coffee goes a long way. Uh, Putin says he will only trade Brittany Griner for a first edition foil Charizard. I actually have that, I think. So I can... And I, I think it's... I have the Japanese holographic Charizard, to be honest. So... We can get Brittany Griner here in a, in, a, in, a, in a moment. This card's worth some money? No. I don't think so. Dude, I have this one card of this baseball player that turned out to be nothing, but there's a misprint on it. I found out a couple of days ago. It's worth like $750. Really? Yeah. Who, do you know who the baseball player is? I, I can't remember. But there's a misprint on it, so it's worth money because only a certain amount. And my dad used to buy me the fucking the box sets of the cards. Mm. You know, I rem I read, I don't know when we did this before, but we were talking about coins and we were talking about currency and and uh, especially coins that are worth a lot more than others. Not necessarily for, uh, obviously, rarity. How rare is the coin? That's number one. Um, but also, if there's other things and, and typos and misprints and, and errors, that actually chalks up to a rarity as well. Yeah. And I forget which yeah. coins we talked about in particular that had printing errors on them. That they were very limited, and they were worth a massive amount of money. If it's mint, then, man, you're, you can retire. So, shit like that. Um, here's another one from the Babylon Bee. Batgirl movie canceled after $70 million in Batmobiles destroyed backing <laughs> out of a cave. <laughs> they just can't drive. I didn't even know they were going to make one. Oh yeah, well it's it it just it who, died. Who's gonna be Batgirl? I forget her name, but um, but yeah, women can't drive. That's what it comes down to. Usually, yeah. Alex Jones ordered to pay Frog Community four point one million dollars for calling them gay. See, I I didn't I didn't call them gay. I said they're putting chemicals in the water that turns them gay. Yes, hate the social engineering. It's not funny. And one last one, time-traveling Mayan priest, horrified by America's abortion numbers. <laughs> you just can't. Oh, you can't take it. Neither can they. They can't even take it anymore. All right. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do now. We're going to get down to the main, main event. Main event. I think Matt will like some of these stories. They're really good conversation starters. We'll be able to take some calls as well. So I'm going to explain to you, for those who have not been here for long and those who need a little refresher what the deer scene is how it came to be it started out uh it all revolves around this very brief minute long scene from the movie stand by me which was based on the stephen king novella the body yes stephen king uh done he's done great clean work despite 
what he's become and what he's actually, if you look a little bit closer, what he's always been really weirdly obsessed with. But The Body is a wonderful uh, novella, and this was just written so wonderfully and whatever. But I brought this up. It started out as an example between how the depth of a book compares to the adaptation of a movie. Now, some film, uh, film on a, is another art form in itself that conveys stories, you know, of incredible depth. And even though Stand By Me is now a classic film, this scene is an example how depth can be lost in adaptation. So I'm going to play the movie scene, and then we're going to read you the, uh, the short chapter from the, the chapter titled The Deer from the novella titled The Body. And then we're going to get into the deeper meaning that we brought out of the book on this show about five, six years ago, when the hell, whenever the hell we started this. And it has become an August tradition. So here you go. Here is the, the first thing that we're going to do, the scene from Stand By Me, The Deer. Freight woke up the other guys, and it was on the tip of my tongue to tell them about the deer. But I didn't. That was the one thing I kept to myself. So that was it. That was the one thing I kept to myself. And you say, very easy to just be, oh, that was a cute little, cute little exchange. A deer and a boy on the train tracks. He's on a little adventure with his friends. A little bit of a morbid adventure, looking for a lost boy, his body. But, um, but then you have this. This will take about three minutes, but I want to read it to you. Well, I, I read it to you last year, and I pre-recorded it, so we can do this every year cleanly. And here you go. This is the deer. The others slept heavily through the rest of the night. I was sometimes awake and sometimes half asleep. The night was far from silent with the cries of birds and mice and insects, but there were no more screams. Finally, I came awake and realized that something was different. It took a moment or two to know what it was. Although the moon was down, I could see my hands resting on my jeans. My watch said quarter to five. It was dawn. I stood and walked a few yards into the forest. I stretched and began to feel the fear of the night before slide away. It was a good feeling. I climbed up to the bank to the railway tracks and sat on one of the tracks, spinning and catching stones. I was in no hurry to wake the others. The new day felt too good to share. I don't know how long I sat there, watching dawn turn to full morning, watching the sky change from purple to blue. I was about to get up when I looked to my right and saw a deer standing between the tracks, not ten yards from me. My heart flew up into my throat. I didn't move. I couldn't move. Her eyes weren't brown, but a dark, dusty black. She looked calmly at me. Her head held a little low in what looked like curiosity, seeing a boy with his hair standing up from sleep in jeans and brown shirt, sitting there on the tracks. What I was seeing was a gift, given with a kind of terrible carelessness. We looked at each other for a long time. 
I think it was a long time. Then she turned and walked off to the other side of the tracks. She found grass and began to eat. I couldn't believe it. She hadn't gone away. She had begun to eat. She didn't look back at me and didn't need to. I was frozen solid. Then the tracks started to shake under my body, and seconds later the deer's head came up and turned back toward Castle Rock. She stood there for a moment, and then she was gone in three leaps, disappearing into the forest with no sound except one dry branch that cracked like a gun. I sat and looked at the place where she had been until the actual sound of the train came through the stillness. Then I slid back down, back down to the bank where the others were sleeping. The train woke them up. They yawned and scratched. There was some nervous talk about the screaming ghost, as Chris called it, but not much as you might imagine. In daylight, it seemed more foolish than interesting, almost embarrassing, best forgotten. I nearly told them about the deer, but in the end, I didn't. That was one thing I kept to myself. I've never spoken or written about it until just now, today. And I have to tell you that it seems less important when it is written down. But for me, it was the best part of that trip, the cleanest part. And it was a moment I found myself returning to almost helplessly when there was trouble in my life. My first day in the forest in Vietnam, when this guy walked up to me with his hand over his nose, and he took his hand away and there was no nose there because a bullet had taken it off. The time the doctor told us that our son might have a brain infection. The long, crazy weeks before my mother died. I would find my thoughts turning back to that morning. But the most important things are hardest to say. It's hard to make strangers care about the good things in life. So, it's hard to make strangers care about the good things in life. Now, the reason why this became such a big hit is because aside from the fact that we were just talking about books and adaptations and what is lost and what is gained through different mediums of art, um, it, it, the, the glaring question popped up, and that is for the audience, what is your deer scene? What are some of those moments that even you would consider mundane if you hadn't been struck by it in such a very special and personalized way. Some experience or some personal revelation so important to you that it would be hard to have anyone else understand, mainly because of how objectively it looks so ordinary and there's nothing really special about it. Seeing a deer at the train tracks is not necessarily something that's groundbreaking. Neither is a sunset, but I'll tell you, one of my deer scene, one of my deer scenes, I've had, a, and I have a couple in my life, a few that have really, um, that have really come out there. Things that I always go back to. One of them was 2014, my first and only trip to the Dominican Republic with Lauren, and um, and we were at her father's, her father's place, and they got a little stretch of beach and and. I said, one of these mornings, I'm going out there to see the sunrise. Never seen anything like that in my life. So I woke up maybe around 4.30 or so, 4.45. It was still dark, but I knew sun, the sunrise was going to come up soon. And I got down to the beach to see a little bit more of just darkness, night. And then we're starting to see that glow. That glow coming from the east. And that purplish glow getting a little bit more bright. And to see the sun peek up over the horizon for the first time and to be the only one on the beach it was almost too intimate for me to handle it was it was a complete religious experience 
it was it was something very very um very hard hitting and i i almost had to look away because it was so beautiful i had a similar situation like that with a sunset the sunset in maine with me and lauren in 2018 beautiful sunsets and we got to go to a, an observation point almost as far up you can drive cadillac mountain and it was again what is this it's it's just unbelievable and i've seen a few sunsets and a quite a few sunsets and even a couple of sunrises in my life but those two stand out there's something else that happened that you know you tell that to someone else and they might have had a similar experience but who knows? You know what? It hits you different. Now, there's other things I wanted to start off with here. And Matt, if you have any comments on any of these stories or any of yourselves that you want to, to throw in once you start hearing what people are submitting, go right ahead. Because I think this is a one of those uh, one of those nights in, in the summer that I like doing this and relaxing. So let me see here. Who's the first one we have up tonight? This one is actually from my cousin Sherry. Now, listen to this. She said, my dear scene, my moment happened during the solar eclipse in August 2017. I was on the Pratt campus with my husband the day that we moved my son into, this, into his freshman dormitory. It was a tough day for me. I was having a hard time coming to terms with my only child going off to college. In fact, I was an emotional mess. We went about our day the best we could with me stuffing my emotions down at every turn. When the eclipse viewing time came, we took a break and made our way down to campus, down to the campus, green with a few thousand, uh, campus green with a few thousand other folks just like us. It was a gorgeous day. I remember that day. We, we, that was Casa's wedding. Absolutely perfect, just like September 11th, 2001, but quite breezier. With 15 minutes to go before peak darkness, the school staff pulled eclipse viewing glasses out of the boxes and began passing them out. It was obvious there weren't enough for everyone, so people began making groups of four or five people to share a single pair of glasses. When the time came to view the eclipse, I put them on. Cool. My husband then put them on. Awesome. That all took 15 seconds. My impression? It was underwhelming. So we passed the glasses to others in our group and decided to take a walk. The eclipse didn't bring total darkness here in New York, but the light was dim and the energy was different. As we walked, my husband fiddled with the phone and he tried unsuccessfully to take a good picture of the eclipse. I remember a science class trick, grabbing a paper plate off the, uh, off the ground. I poked a hole in the plate and let the sun shine through it, projecting the shape of the eclipse onto the sidewalk. Now that was cool. I took my hand and bent my fingers into a circle and held it up in the air. As I looked on the sidewalk to see the eclipse-shaped shadow, I was casting through my fingers. The most amazing thing happened. My eyes refocused and I can see the arc of the eclipse in every shadow on the sidewalk, between every leaf on every tree. Every branch was the same eclipse arc, with the breeze blowing like it was, the sidewalk looked alive. And I just att I attached a, uh, a GIF that she made and sent it to me. It's right there on the screen right now. With the breeze blowing like it was, the sidewalk looked alive. The visual effect 
the visual effect on old mattress, uh, uh, the visual effect on an old <clears throat> mattress sitting on the sidewalk made it look like it was boiling. I got chills. Every hair on my body stood up and I started to explain to my husband what I was seeing, but I struggled. I couldn't do justice to the beauty of what I was looking at and how once you see it, you see it not only uh, on the sidewalk, but on every shadow cast everywhere. The eclipse was everywhere around me on this absolutely incredible day. I just wanted to soak it all up in the limited amount of time that was left. When we returned to the campus, I looked around. Not much had changed. Small groups of people passing around silly paper glasses and hurting their necks, staring straight into the sun. Thousands of underwhelmed people looking into the sky through glasses and iPhones when the true beauty of this life-changing event was everywhere else, swirling around them. I could have told them, I, I could have tried to explain, but would they be able to see it? Would they think I was crazy? In a way, it's a metaphor for how the next four years of my life would be. Me waking up to uh, bigger and bigger pictures and struggling to explain what seemed so clear to me. I'm glad I mostly kept my eclipse experience to myself because I was completely and totally present. Very rare for me to be like that. I allowed myself to enjoy the beauty of it just for me. I'm attaching a few pics the day I took, uh, uh, I took that day where you can see the arc of the shadows of leaves and the mattress. But uh, what I can't do is share the intense and beautiful feelings that came along with it. Best Cousin Sherry. So there is... That's the picture. Yeah. That's the that's the effect on the sidewalk. It does look pretty weird. It's incredible, all those little eclipses. Yeah, you're not supposed to stare at them without those glasses. I don't know why, Unless either. Unless you're Donald Trump. Yeah, he, he, he was actually strengthened by it. He strengthened it as well. You're right. It's a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> it's uh, mutual. There's mutual benefit Whatever. between he and the, yeah. and the sun. All right, here we go. Here's another one. In October, this is from Graham. And some of these stories get really, really on the mark. Other than or others, uh, they, they, they all they all count. Uh, they're all beautiful stories for sure, and things that moved people. But uh, here's another one. Uh, August, uh, October 2021 in Canada. At the time, there was so much pressure to take the jab. My parents pushed me so much, I started to question my choice. Uh, was I wrong? I was heading the day's choice to not do it. And I believe that Graham is Native American or has some kind of Native American roots here. You'll see where this goes. I remember this. Where we go, uh, I was heading a, a day's drive north to go hunting with my uncle. Where we go, there is no cell reception for a couple of hours and almost zero radio signals. When you are there, it feels so clean from man-made frequencies. You tune into nature. I had a vision the night before that we had a successful hunt, and within an hour of arriving, we had our kill. We dressed it in a uh, pitch black uh, in, uh, in the pitch black night, and then headed to camp to get some sleep. The next day, I was in camp alone. I saw a plane far in the distance, and it dawned on me that I wasn't able to be part of that. I felt even further separated from my fellow man. I knew it was time to ask my questions. I made an offering of tobacco and sweet grass to the spirits in the four directions. I sat facing north and burned some tobacco and let the smoke carry my uh, questions to my ancestors. What should I do? Am I wrong? I closed my eyes and almost immediately a vivid, true-to-life white bird flew so close to my face that it startled me out of my flow. I tried to go back into it for a couple of minutes, but I only saw the inside of my eyelids. I could, I could hear my uncle heading toward camp, so I thanked the spirits 
and stood as he pulled into camp. He pointed behind me and said, Moose. I turned and stood a huge, a large bull moose 30 yards away and we looked at each other for over a minute. During the rut, moose are extremely dangerous. He turned and walked from our camp. Um, as I drove home the following day, I felt so in, turn, uh, in tune with the earth, and it wasn't until I got back into cell service that the magical feeling suddenly left. When I got home, I told my mother that what I saw. She said that the white bird was my grandmother's spirit and that she leaves, uh, she leaves white feathers. My jabbed parents never questioned my choice ever since. Cheers. Graham. So a little bit more of a personal revelation than I think a... Um, but then, yeah, there is something more there. A dear moment that kind of trickled out and became a little bit less personal and something that uh, <clears throat> that your parents did understand, you know? So either way, a nice story, and I'm pleasure to read it. Now, here's something. Here's something. I thought this was pretty cool. The next one's even better. Well, I mean, they're all great. Still, Frank, I'm a little late to the game. But I wanted to share with you my dear scene. It started five years ago with a pen pal relationship. When I was a reporter of a small town newspaper, I had an opinion column. I was new to the business and didn't really want to dive headfirst into all the controversial opinion column stuff, so I took the advice of an English teacher who wrote for the paper during the summer. She told me to write like I was talking to a favorite aunt. This column turned into a random thoughts and musings column. One piece was about how I didn't have an inner child, but rather an inner old lady. I didn't realize these columns had grown a following. One reader wrote to my editor praising my folksy style, and she, uh, she started to write to me, thanking me for having a style of writing that is completely gone in the news world. I wrote back and forth with her several times. We became friends on Facebook, and we would text back and forth occasionally. I learned she was very ill and had been bedbound for years with nearly 40 diagnoses. She learned that I play guitar and sing. She had said she wished she was with me by the campfire singing along, so I made videos for her of my playing. I made videos of hiking through magical parts of the forest, videos of my kids playing with whirling parts of old farm equipment. I shared them only with her. She touched my heart with her warmth and love. She had an ability to reach through my, any barrier and see the soul of a person. She saw me, really saw me. Two weeks ago, her son sent out a message that her health was really taking turn for the worst. I was stricken with fear that I may never have this chance, so I visited her. And uh, she recognized me. F when she recognized me, her face lit up. I brought my guitar and played her a few tunes. When it was time to go, I held her hand. She asked if she, if she was... I asked her... Oh, she asked... If she was what I expected. I told her she was so much more. She was very, very ill, but Frank, I kid you not, she could see my soul. She had a hard time focusing on things because of Horner syndrome. Uh, but being her, uh, but being with her was an experience I can't describe well enough to do it justice. Never felt it before. I felt exposed like I had opened my heart and laid out good, bad, ugly without a word. And I felt wrapped in love and acceptance all the same time. She died six days later. Her son asked me to write her eulogy. I wrote it, and it was the easiest and hardest thing I've ever done. Uh, at the funeral, the priest put into words what, it, what Christie had and why I felt the way I did about her in her presence. He called it mystic vision. All the best, Vanessa. So, that is uh, one hell of a connection there now. Um, one last one, and this is... 
Or maybe we should just, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll say this for right after the break. Man, anything come up for you? You ever have like a striking moment where you're just, we're just frozen? It doesn't have to be anything. You don't have to think about anything really profound where uh, it, it, it pull your whole life together and it doesn't have to be this big thing. But do you have any moments where you were just, I don't know, frozen in awe of something that you, you might have even seen before, but for some reason it was just slapped you in the face at that point? Not yet. Not yet. Hey, these sounds these sound like a little miraculous events. So, they, you just all you gotta do is be open for them. Yeah, no. If I have, I've forgotten, but I'm sure something will soon. Well, you would have never forgotten it if it happened. So, don't worry about forgetting. Just be ready for when it shows up. Okay, let me go to some super chats, and then we'll get to our break. Come back and do a few more of these, and open up the lines because that is really when the rubber hits the road, and we have people calling in. Uh, Gino, seven minutes ago, says, look forward to the deer scene every year. A nice gateway from the madness. Uh, once a year doesn't seem like enough. Much love, Francis and Matt. Well, that's why we do all those other wonderful threads. That's why we do Diamonds in the Rough. That's why we do uh, Six Degrees of Separation. We do these all throughout the year, spackled in, and some of them are seasonal and holiday-specific. But you always know what time of year it is when certain things are happening on the show. You know when the Mark Swan dancer in the intermission is jiggling his belly for all of your delight. It is July. When we do the deer scene, it is August. And man, September and October are going to be glorious, are they not? Oh, especially in the Northeast. Transition, that's one of the most beautiful transitions up here geographically. Uh, Quinn from Texas, or Quinn, Texas says, Frank, my name is Quinn. I am Claire's other half. I just wanted to thank you for your great show and for bringing a smile to her in trying times. I am a former naval intelligence um, and law enforcement officer and a preacher. Damn. I uh, have a lot of data to share. Many levels. Limited on space. Oh, well, hey. Email the show anytime. Uh, what were we talking about just before, Matt? The, uh... Intelligence. Darn. We said something. The necrobots and... Uh, never mind. Anyway, Quinn, thank you for, for writing in and email me anytime. It'd be great to have... I love when people who have those types of specialties and beyond call in, namely when we are talking about things that they specialize in, and we get some really good first-hand information and, uh, and education. It feels great. Cody, 42 minutes ago, says, Can you ask Matt about his business dealings with uh, with Parisma? Uh, I hope you're doing well, Frank, and I'm praying for you and your family. Wish I could super chat as much as I used to, but I'm currently getting screwed over by the IRS. Love the show. Take care, buddy. Cody, You, um, no, you, no worries. Um, I, I can't tell you what I really think about the IRS because I'd probably be in jail. But... Um, He's getting fucked, so he's probably a small business owner, because that's who they usually harass. Uh, or anybody self-employed gets absolutely well, screwed. Yeah, the um, the self-employment tax is the 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 biggest one of the biggest slap in the faces next to the inheritance tax, the death tax, slap in the face. Um, George Washington would not go for this. No, Washington would not like this. Weedston. Says, hey, Frank, please tell my wife, Ellen, happy anniversary for me. 
Uh, it's tomorrow, August 6th, and it's been 11 fantastic years. Uh, tell her I think she's special and not in the, uh, the special needs kind of way. Well, Helen, or Ellen, sorry. Ellen? Ellen? Are, uh, uh, this is a uh, wife to Weedston, unless your name is Helen Weedston. Ellen, wife to Weedston. Happy anniversary. I've heard it has been 11 electric years, and I hope that you have an electric weekend. And happy birthday. Happy anniversary. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. All the ones to come. But if you, you super chat again, I'll, I'll make sure that I update those along the way. But I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend out there, and thank you for this. And I want to thank uh, Dan Schumann for kicking this all off five hours ago before the show even started. Very generous tip and he says frank i had to get back had to go back to may broadcast to find the super chat link just want to know that the uh, i just want to know that skip is in the hand i want you to know that skip is in the hands of jesus may skip and you and your mom and family be comforted by the holy spirit prayers for you and your family always i can't thank you enough and uh, and before we go to break because it's 7:59 i'll say one really quick thing um, the prognosis that they gave Skip was challenging. We'll say that. It was either ride it out for as long as you can and hope for the best, which they said would not be long in that scenario, or one more surgery that they can try of specialists in, um, in, uh, in Connecticut. And I asked him what he wanted to do. And today he said, he said, I've been thinking about it all night, and early this morning, I, I decided I'm going to keep fighting, and I'm going to, I'm going to do the surgery, and I, I, I owe it to you, and I owe it to everybody, and when I told him, I keep reminding him about the people who are praying in this audience, people who are praying in my family, um, I said, Skip, you got to understand something, you're, you're probably one of the most well-known people in this hospital right now, and, and I told him, I had a, a, a very nice very nice um, friend of the show sent a get well card to him on behalf of all of you at home, the Franklies around the world. And when I told him, he was, uh, I just want to thank you guys all for being part of the reason why. Uh, not near, I mean, it's, it's, it, it just goes hand in hand with his love for his family, but being part of the reason why this guy, this man who is so tired and has given selflessly to the people he loves uh, his whole life, um, has uh, has decided to keep going for however long this might be able to win him. And no, uh, this at least it's a path to walk instead of stopping. And he just thanks you all as 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 well as everybody in his personal life too. So thank you guys and gals. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be a great night still. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Yeah, intermission. 
Quite frankly. 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 Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Okay, so I just wanted to let you know a little bit of news. You know, it's Friday night, so we're going to be having our after-hours programming on QuiteFrankly.tv at 9 o'clock. Uh, just letting you all know that has been come down from the top that they're going to play Stand By Me directly after the show tonight for a Friday night feature. And then after that, who knows? There's just It'll just be a, a nice mishmash of this or that. So if you're on QuiteFrankly.tv, you can cast to your television and pop yourself some popcorn, or you can go and get yourself a nice cold snack, an acai bowl, something like that, Matt, right? Yeah, get yourself a nice frozen treat. Or, or, you, can, or you can pet yourself a brand new kitty. You can do that. You can get yourself some pizza, Chinese... Actually, that movie's free on YouTube. It's the free whatever. Uh, we're not watching it on YouTube. We're just watching it on Quite Frankly on TV. Piracy. And don't say anything. Every once in a while, it's just like, hey, everybody, let's get together and watch a watch a movie. But anyway, I am going to, and Matt, uh, people are requesting that they can see um, Duchess at some point tonight. I know that she's chill right now. She's sleeping. Oh, like she's a sleeping. Baby, yeah. Oh, can we? Maybe we can spy on her. Yeah. Is it is she is like her face right by there? You can see it over here. A can little. you can you I think I Can could. you turn the the bag a little bit so we can Nobody's going to see yeah, nobody's going to see that. Turn turn the bag toward the Let's see. Hold on.
You see her eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Still. For people wondering what the hell's going on right now, I was just trying to get a... a better view of the sleeping duchess. And she looks pretty cute when she sleeps. She's cute when she's awake, too. I don't know. She's a little cuter when she sleeps, to be honest. But, um... There you go. So that that's a little a little budding life. Only five week old life here in the uh Well, life outside the womb, I should say. Here in the studio tonight. Alright, now let's get into some let's go hold on. Yeah, over to Rumble. Selling the Farms is great memories are hard to forget. Another great show, Frank. Thank you so much, Selling the Farm. Thank you for holding it down on Rumble with so many other people. I'm glad that it is uh it's become a, a consistent place. All right. She's dreaming. She's dreaming? She's dreaming. We're going to get around to Foxhole in just a little bit. First thing I want to do is I want to read this deer scene because I think this is something else. I think that this is something else right here. Now, this one comes from a war zone, I believe. Marine. One of our Marine viewers. His name is Chet. There you go. The deer scene. About several hours. After several hours of waiting in this traffic jam, the sun was beginning to set. And the boredom had eclipsed in the fascination of communicating in pantomime with the natives. In frustration, I did what everyone else does in a traffic jam. I popped my head out of the vehicle to see what I could see. In my case, I had to put my helmet on, which I was supposed to be wearing the whole time, but no one did. And I actually stood on top of the tailgate of our high back Humvee. Um, it's a... a, a, a up-armored Humvees wouldn't make an appearance until years after I was out of theater. To look upon the city and the masses of cars ahead, I looked off to my right and saw something that was truly stunning and inexplicable to my sleep-deprived, heat-exhausted brain. What I saw could best be described as a living painting by Van Gogh, a field of rippling, fluttering colors of every description, with the fixed skeletons of bare trees and desert hills in the background. The setting sun comes from the opposite direction, made everything glimmer and sparkle as it danced in the wind. It looked like a scene from Robin Williams' movie, What Dreams May Come, which I believe I only saw years later. I was amazed. I looked around at my fellow Marines, trying to see if anyone else saw what I saw, and looked again, and it was gone. It was just a junkyard, filled with every type of debris on the city outskirts, with numerous bushes and shrubs growing all throughout it that had caught the numerous plastic uh, shopping bags of every imaginable color, yellow, green, purple, blue, red, pink, and orange, and had been blown into them in the wind. They had become broken down and shredded by the desert sun and wind, and long, thin, thin fingers waved and flicked around endlessly. Bits of metal of every type lay waste uh, or lay in the various states of corrosion, with the edges of shiny metal, uh, metal uh, things having caught the glint of the setting sun. When I realized it was all just trash, the magic vanished and I could no longer see the beauty they once held for me, and my wonder was replaced with sadness. I climbed back inside, sat back down on the uncomfortable fiberglass bench in the Humvee, and took off my already uncomfortable Kevlar from my head, and my friend Dan asked me, did you see anything? I weighed my response for a moment, and then I replied, no. With kind regards, Chet. Now, this was so... When I got this... I, I think it goes even far, even beyond the whole idea of 
the deer scene. Because I suppose in Chet's situation, the challenge at that point is how to hold on to that feeling of joy and wonder, even when it was brought on by essentially a mirage. But to make this even more hopeful of a scenario, I would say that this vision could also be a metaphor for the temporariness of our time here in general. You say, well, how's that hopeful? Well, I mean, we can work that out in in just a little bit, but most notably, the temporary and very uncomplicated joy of childhood, which is what Chet had for a moment there, just awe-inspiring experiences. I mean, you have no clue how jealous I am of Aurora right now in times like this, too, as she cannot perceive of the agony of what's been going on with everybody's health in our family and and all that stuff. And that's I think that's probably why I hug her a little bit more than I already do, because I I want a little bit of that to rub off on me. And I think the crystalline, shimmery paradise in the sun turning into the junkyard in the middle of a war zone is an incredible analogy for the shedding of childhood for adulthood. Now, the question is, the question is, what do we, what do we do to clean up the junkyard? Or what do we do to clean up our yard? Because adult life is not a nightmare. It's just that it is a little bit more of a war zone and it gets messy. It gets messy like a junkyard. It requires cleaning. It requires taking care of things and growing and, and all that stuff. How, how do you, how do you make some, some uh, sense out of that chaos, out of that madness? That's the big thing. And I think a lot of us are doing a good job. I think we're doing a good job. There's no way that childhood can go on forever because you just learn too much. And you start taking on responsibility. So I, I, that's, uh, it was pretty incredible. And I hope that Chet has found, has found that feeling again some of the time. You know, that's the other thing there too. There, when we say the, the transition between childhood and adulthood and how that whole part of childhood being, at least for most of us, a carefree paradise I mean, you get upset over things, you get irrational and all that, but for the most part, it really is very a, hope, a very hopeful time in life, the most hopeful that you can imagine. And, uh, and I, I think that's why it's also a crime against humanity when these filthy creeps in school and anywhere else start saddling children with their sociopolitical baggage, you know? Saddling children with having to contemplate sex and, and adult interpersonal relationships and levels of intimacy that adults can barely handle. It's a crime against humanity to take that from them, start contemplating their gender and get that confusion ingrained in them. It's a it's an absolute crime. 100%. 914-595-6953 or you can jump into the Discord. The Discord has a deer scene already lined up the deer scene call in line is right in there 914-595-6953 and while you're calling in we will do one more and you can call in about anything if you like just keep it keep it brief i guess we don't want to get too far off topic but here's another one for you summer of 75 my husband and i took a drive up to a nearby new mexico mountains matt have you ever driven 
Driven into the South by Southwest area? No, no. She means 1975, right? Summer of 1975. Okay. Why? What'd you think? 1875? <laughs> <laughs> it's in New Mexico in 1875. It was really, it was rough. Um, let's see here. It was such a treat on the fresh uh, on the flesh to escape the heat of the desert floor to the cool of the forest. We found a spot, a, a, a spot, a small valley nestled among the pines. Delicious. We pulled over. After admiring our private find, my husband d decided we wanted to wander off and explore the forest. On the other hand, uh, on the other hand, wanted to lay down in the grass. I wanted to lay down in the grass. So off he went, and there I lay, gazing up at the occasional passing cloud. And then, as though I had been vacuumed into an alternate reality, sound disappeared. Uh-oh. This is exactly how most of the people who survived the missing 411 stuff said happened. The sound went away in the woods. And then they would hear other weird sounds. Like a, a chamber door opening. Remember that guy said that? Chamber door, and, and then that one woman in that small little patch of woods in Ohio. That saw the predator. That saw the predator. She saw that like almost like a, a, cell, a, like a, a blob of cellophane was jumping from tree to tree. Yeah. And, and that's actually part of some of the witnesses that have been, had laid down their testimony of Skinwalker Ranch. That there was something, they would, there were some witnesses that saw things careening across the open the open plains there the uh the lots that was maybe about the size of a buffalo but almost like translucent where they saw displacement of things of mm. matter in the, that particular area and it was like careening across all of the lots there yeah see when i've been going into the woods up in the adirondack park i've like wanted stuff like this to happen i want to take shrooms deep in the woods you got to stick with somebody, though. I'm better alone. But if you're looking for this, I'm saying, if you want to have a, 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 a trippy experience in the woods, I'm sure that most times you will be able to be okay, unless you fall down a, you know, a ravine into a ravine or something. You don't see... You, you're a little bit more hazy and yeah. less sharp than usual. And you Helps your eyesight. Well, okay. Well, then maybe you, you float across the ravine. The ravine. But, but still... I'm saying if you're going out there trying to actually come face-to-face -face with Predator, I wouldn't do that alone. They suck you into their dimension all of a sudden. You get bleeped out of existence and boom. I will be too stoned for them to do that. And here's the thing, though. When I'm stoned, I'm still like, you know, as far as situations like that go, I'll still be, you know, able to take care of it. So you you think that your your being stoned in that situation would actually anchor you to our our frequency of light? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. Mm. I just smoked a bunch of earth. You know what? There might be something to that. Who knows? I it actually sounds like it could make sense. But maybe it doesn't at all. Like look at what that other guy said when he was using the t tobacco to smoke with uh, to speak with his ancestors and all that. Yeah. You know? Um, what else do we have? Okay, here we go. Here we go. So uh, we're, we're going along here. So off he went, and there I lay, gazing up at the occasional passing cloud. And then, as though I had been vacuumed into an alternate reality, sound disappeared. There was only movement now. As like the slow, gentle, rhythmic motions of mother rocking her ba baby, she moved. Yes, she, Mother Earth, similar to that of a conveyor belt. 
but more gentle and purposeful and graceful like that of a ballerina. I could quite literally feel the rotation she was making. It was palpable. I dared not move. We were one. And she had uh, blessed me with the taste of her spirit. She trusted me enough, or maybe I trusted her enough, to finally discover her true nature. You know, like beyond, uh, like a beloved friend. And then, just as suddenly as I left reality, whoosh, I was back. Sound returned interruptingly. I heard a ready-to-go-now from my husband. I sat up dazed. What just happened? And how could I ever explain this? So I kept it private for years, but now, in my advanced years, I love telling the story of how the Earth revealed herself her place in this universe, and the bond of love found throughout all creation. Oh, and by the way, when my heart is in the right place and the moment is the moment is so quiet, I can still hear her, still small voice, feel the earth move beneath me all over again. So, go lay out under the stars tonight, and if you're lucky, very lucky, Mother Earth will rock you too. That's that's like the deer scene, but the deer is the planet. Incredible. Just incredible. All right. Um, I have a few things here. A few things here. Let's take a call from Fester. What's going on, Fester? Hey, Frank. How's it going? Oh, my God. What's going on? It's going well. Get very close to your uh, your phone, please. So um, I want to call talk about Sandy Hook. You know, the one thing that definitely happened after Sandy Hook is they tried to pull that gun grabbing thing. And, you know, there are questions that I still don't understand. You know, out of all those kids that were there, every single one of them died. There was no, like, no survivors. And the way that, you know, I don't want to get you banned or not, but, you know, there was just a lot of things that I okay. still would like to know what happened. And so, but... That's all. Okay. Well, okay. Well, Fester wants to. Fester's got questions. I'm sure a lot of people got questions. And yes, I would have to imagine there was. Alex Jones had questions too. Alex Jones had questions too. Now he owes fifty million (laughs) dollars. So, uh, I don't know how to. I don't know how to help you with that one. I'm sure that there's a lot of people that would that would second and third your concerns, Fester. But uh, let's go to our deer scene line on Discord. What's going on, Shake and Bake? What is your what is your experience you want to talk about? Hey, Francis, it's been a long time. Can you hear me okay? I did decent, decent enough. Go right ahead. Yeah, so I I think I have a story that kind of has a little bit to do with the topic today, and that was I think it was the whitetail season in 2019 back in Pennsylvania. Uh, <clears throat> that was I think it was opening morning, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, I had. Uh, shot a last year's fawn for, for my kill for the morning and my dad was walking around putting drives on for me and his brother and and near the end of our hunt uh, I'm looking down up the runway, I'm in a tree stand and I see movement in the trees I'm like, oh, there's another deer coming <clears throat> so I put up the binoculars and I'm kind of trying to verify, is it a buck or is it a doe or whatever and as it kind of gets closer, I see it's a buck but uh, in Pennsylvania there's uh, we have antler restrictions, which is if you want to legally tag a buck, it has to have at least three points on one side. Okay. So, so that's what I, you know, and, and I agree with that. So I'm looking through <clears throat> the binoculars and I see something's wrong with this buck. And he's hobbling around. He's injured. I'm thinking, well, what's going on here? And he gets close enough where I can see that 
He has a deformed antler. He's looks like he's wounded in his back left leg. And he's panting. He's the animal stressed out has this like its mouth open like you know, like a dog would. And the, the buck's hobbling along and I'm just watching it there in the tree stand and he perfectly stops right in front of a firing line that I have and I thought, should I kill him? Like because the thing I was going around in my head was, you know, he doesn't have it's not a legal buck, but the animal's sick, it's stressed, it's not feeling well. I don't know what the history happened, but I just kind of stared at it and then at him, and then he just hobbled down and walked away. And I, li- I literally just stood there. And I thought, shit, I, you know, I I, I should have uh, take, taken the animal's life, put it out of its misery. But he walked away and probably continued to survive. But that was just something. I was just standing there in the tree, and I thought it it, w- it was a perfect shot, and I should have taken it. But he went about his way, and it was just something that just stuck with me. So you know? your so your your little moment of that, that that has stayed with you for a while now is this little time this 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 one time that you had out hunting, and you came face to face with a a buck that was already in distress, has already been injured in some way. It was not healthy. It was having a rough day, and you had this dilemma of whether or not whether or not to preserve its life or to take it, um, seemingly out of mercy, your, your reasoning was, but just to be able to sit there and have to weigh that out. Because, I, I mean, what would you do? I don't know. Afterwards, if it's, if it's, maybe it's sick, maybe it's deformed, it's, who knows? Yeah, it's, uh, that's a disease that's going around with the deer. I think they actually want you to put those down. It's called, uh, zoad, zoatic or zo- zoatic something. But are they, I picked up, it, it, eventually it'll die from it. I picked up a dead deer that the first time I ever saw it in like 20 years, it's, its antler was deformed and I don't know if it was its front or back leg or both but it was just it was deformed it like swells up and eventually I don't know how it kills it um eventually it dies from it wow okay so then you might you shake and bake you you might have actually come across come across a a sick deer and but one way or another you you allowed it to just I don't know. Walk its path and let it go. You, I, I I don't know. There, there's something. There's something obviously very, very big there because you're talking about the exchange of life and you had the power in your hands to take it or preserve it, and you chose for one reason or another just to let it go. It's already having a bad enough day, right? Yeah. Well, because yeah, my whole thing was, was not that I've ever run into a game ward. I've never seen one in my life, but you know, I didn't want to have that headache. But I like. He probably stood there for probably like 10, 15 seconds, just, you know, catching his breath. And I, and I had a perfect shot. could have hit him right through the shoulders. And I just stared at him. Hmm. And then he walked away. And I was just like, so, so I, I think about it often enough. But anyways, so that that's my story. Well, thank you for it, Shake and Bacon. I hope you have a great night. Yep, thank you. Take care. Take care. Let's bring in uh, Chris. Chris from the UK. What's going on, Chris? Or... Hey man, how are you? I'm doing well. Can you take me off a speaker? You sound a little boomy. Uh, let's see. Whoa! Uh, hold on a sec. Let me move this away from here. Hold on. A little better. Uh, I guess so. Go right ahead. Yeah. Um. Like my my moment uh, happened uh, last July in the uh, in the COVID lockdown. You know, I moved back to the UK uh, after 54 years living in the States. I was taken from the UK when I was six. And Chris, uh, oh, Chris, this this is Chris France? 
Yeah. Hey, Chris, what's going on? Uh, how do you usually call in? Because this is this is terrible. Skype. Okay. Well, the that uh, was cool. Well, you know what? Just cool, Frank. Well, no, 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 no. I'll talk to you later. No, 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 no. I want to hear this. I want to hear this. It's just, I. It's a little unfortunate. That it's this boomy, but maybe we can get through it. Just try to keep a proper distance from the the microphone if you can. Go ahead. Um. The um. The situation was that I I, I had, during the COVID lockdowns. I you know I'd walk down to the store, do my grocery shopping, and then I would sometimes walk out to the pier. I was when it was a nice July day, and I went out and sat by the side of the pier. For the very first time in my life, I felt like I had uh, became a real person. You know, I I think you know a little bit about my story. I suffered with addiction for 40 years, um, and I was sitting there on that on that uh, that pier overlooking Torbay with the boats and sailboats and things. And it just hit me. It says, "This is it." You know, you've, you've. If, if I was to have died right then, I'd have been good. Just an amazing moment. It took me 63 years to get there. So what now? Okay, obviously you, you're talking about the completion of a gargantuan journey. Um, you've told the parts of your story, many parts of your story on the, on the show, and it, and it is uh, it it's definitely uh, one that has has tempered you um, and has baptized you by fire for sure but here you are explain a little bit more about the scene you're 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 sitting there at this you said it was like a harbor or a marina yeah Torbay the city I live in is Torquay mm -hmm. it's in it, the water is Torbay it's just a little inlet um, off the southern coastline of the UK about 50 miles east of Plymouth England and the uh, harbor is very, very old when it was in here for eight, nine hundred years. And um, sitting there and, and, and realizing that I'd gone from Scotland where I was born, you know, then over to America, and then I'd made it all the way back here, and I'd battled all those battles and fought my addiction, I, and, and I, I recovered. And, and I popped out of the recovery bubble, I guess you want to call it, and I, I can actually live life in the real world now. You understand yes and then and then not only do you have all that personal um closure that is starting to really um you're starting yeah. to feel the relief of all that pressure and all that but now you're here you are coming to terms with all this in just a, a beautiful ancient place and it's uh you know for people out there that are suffering and struggling which lots and lots of people are you know there's guys like me out here they're willing, and, and this is all I do, is I reach out 24-7 to anybody that needs any kind of support. And if it's just to say howdy and, and talk and have a cup of coffee with, that's it. You know, just to make connect connection to somebody that's subjective and then going to judge you. And I'll listen to you, even if you got weird shit to say, you know, we'll, we'll listen to you. <laughs> yes, that's it. You know, Chris, I'm always very appreciative when you call, and thank you for this tonight. Well, you've been part of my life for quite a long time since. Uh, probably 2015, somewhere back in those days when I was living in Houston. But I've taken you with me everywhere I've gone, and I brought you over here to the UK, and I've turned on a lot of my friends over at We Talk You Listen to you. I'd really love for you guys to stream on our platform. We Talk You Listen. It's at uh, WTYL dot live. Well, Frank, you're, you, you can stream on there. We have. We're not going to knock. Uh, it's like a YouTube. You know, where you can actually do live streaming. 
But uh, well, I can get with you on the Yeah, email yeah. Send me some email. Send me that. email about that. We always like knowing what's what's uh, bubbling up there in the market, and it's even better that people we yeah. know are doing it. Thanks again for the call, Chris. You know okay. Have a good one, and thanks again. Uh, you know it would be great? If I actually went on Chris's platform and he kicked me off. <laughs> <laughs> if he kicked me off before YouTube actually did. That would be full circle. All right, we're going to go on a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to do a, just a tad bit more. We're coming down the whole home stretch. It is 8.30. Don't go anywhere. Why don't you come on over and make yourself comfortable? Relax. Do you have a phone? No, I ain't got no phone. I had to pull, you know, because people calling all the time, and uh, who needs the aggravation, right? Interruptions. Who'd you want to call? I want to let my brother know where I am. Why? I think he might be worried. Well, I'll call your brother if that's the problem. Yo, Paulie, your sister's with me. I'll call you back later. See ya. Did you say what's QFTV? Missy gonna need to go over there and watch QFTV Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, right after Quite Frankly. Yeah. Oh, you're definitely cool. Only on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole. Well, I'm bored. I'm in a rut. I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to do anymore. Oh, God. What the fuck are you doing here? This f I was in the neighborhood, eh? Didn't I tell you to get the fuck out of here before I break your goddamn dick off your pants, you fucking loser? I was in the fucking neighborhood, and I'm fucking over here telling you what you gotta do. And this is what we're gonna do, alright? This is what we're gonna do, okay? I'm just gonna fucking tell you what we're gonna do, alright? Okay, alright. Get your fucking shine on. I told Anthony he has to make he has to make more of those little those little uh, that was just a, a camera test. I said, oh, "Dude, keep that." I told him he had to bleep out the f word because at least I, I wish I could play it completely, but it, it was noise. Whatever. Oh, did I ever show you the other thing that Anthony did? Well, he took two he took two um, scenes from The Sopranos. And he edited them crudely, so it it really um, it escalated the violence in very uh, I don't know jarring ways. It's like a, a hold on. He took the he took the death of Fat Dom. This is right after they killed Vito and uh, and Carlo and Silvio end up killing Fat Dom at the at Satrials. Well, Anthony, Anthony edited this crudely to make all of the, the violence escalate just very, very, in a very abrupt way. I hope you enjoy this. It's 48 seconds. Then he goes to Tony versus Ralphie. There they are. The pirates are British. The brigands are British. Hey, Dom. 
came on Canarsie. I appreciate the role as you said. You wouldn't be any fat diab. You want to stay? Now I got to stop by my daughter's in Metuchen. Hey, take this break! You got Yeah, look at this one. Look. Ralphie opens the door. Hey, come. <laughs> I wish he did more of that. Just, just completely, just ham-fisted edits. I wish he did. <laughs> oh, jeez. Jeez, Louise, as they say. Okay, okay, okay. Let's see. Let's uh, let's take a. We're, we have one or two more of these. And I want to take a quick call. Let's do it. It's a Friday night. Hey, here's King Forty with me and Matt again. How you doing, King? What's happening, baby? How you doing? Uh, oh, so what are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm getting ready for work, but I would just like to say that last caller is why you need me as a call screener. <laughs> and motherfucker, not you, Frankie, the asshole that called in. Oh Don't be God. calling Frankie Francis. That's Maddie's thing. <laughs> That ain't your thing. You're not enough familiar enough with my boy to call him Francis. Only Maddie does that. I'm talking about Frankie. Yes. Yes, see, people have to respect their boundaries. You, yeah, thank you. That's a Maddie thing. So, Hick from Pennsylvania, you ain't familiar enough with my boy to call him Francis. Let's get that straight. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Hey, hey, <laughs> did you see before you called in, did you hear the uh, the clip from Rocky that we played? I thought you would like that. Um, I was in and out of the show. Refresh my memory. Which clip, brother? We played the clip when Adrian is at... You know, if you think about it, the way that Adrian and Rocky were pushed together is actually a little bit... You know, a little bit, you know, forceful if you think about it. It's one of the greatest love stories of all Correct. time. I know, I know, I know. But still, so she's in Rocky's apartment... She feels a little uncomfortable. She's like, "Can I use your phone? I want to. I want to call Paulie." And um, and uh, and he's just like, "I'll I'll I'll tell your brother uh, you're here." And he, he screams out the window, and then he just turns around and stares at her. I'll call your brother for you. Love it. Love it. That's hey, uh, yeah. a couple three things. Oh, I'm sorry. Was you still talking? No, no. Go ahead. Couple three things. Couple three things, really quick. Um, if I could make make a suggestion for movie night and I'm actually in the process of uploading it to my movie channel and you don't have to worry about copyrights because nobody wants to claim this shitty movie but on um, quite frankly TV maybe do a tougher than leather movie night oh that would you would have to be in the uh, you have to tell us the night that you were you're gonna watch it because you have to be in the chat room to, to talk through it right I'm, I'm actually trying to upload it to my YouTube channel right now um, but if I could as well, Frankie, <clears throat> because Mr. Willie Fixit has been asking me in the chat room, can I give a little update on my work situation? Can you? Oh, yeah. Oh, your work situation. Yes, yes. Go ahead. My work situation. Yeah. Willie Fixit keeps asking me, and I'm just like, yeah, everything's good. So Frankie knows this. So everybody knows what happened to me at work. Suspended me um, for uh, speech which I never said it was claimed to. So basically, motherfuckers, I got written up. So at this company, <clears throat> excuse me, like most companies, there's steps 
you get a step one, a step two, a step three, and then you're fired. So this accusation that was made to me, now keep in mind, motherfuckers, not actions, speech, which I supposedly said, which I never did to this person, I was immediately hiked up to a step three, which means the next step is you're out the door. Your next you, were, you were given three strikes. So I says, whoa. What'd you say, Frank? Three strikes with one infraction. And, uh, correct. And it, I says, whoa, 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 whoa. How do I go from a step three immediately on my first so-called infraction, which I am denying is a blatant lie, and they go, oh, well, well, King, it's the seriousness of the accusation. Of the accusation. Like, you motherfuckers got to be kidding me. I says, I'll tell you what. I'll sign your write-up. I signed it. I told them, I said, I am signing it under protest that it's a complete lie, and that's what I wrote. I wrote, this is a complete lie. This employee is not being truthful, and I'm only signing this under protest to, to not cause the company any further problems. So well, there's the update. I, I, I believe that shit. I, at least, at least you designated it was being signed under protest because to have. I your, did. Oh, Frankie, good. baby, you know I did. Oh, good. No, I'm good. If you're going, if if you're being forced to sign, then at least you did that. Well, thank you for that, King. And it's, well, I told them. I said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I I said because I was in front of some um, broad manager and my my direct nighttime manager. And I says, I'm not signing this because it's a lie. And my manager manager was like, well, you know, King, if you don't sign this, then I can't let you come back to work unless you sign it. I'm like, fine. The hell I'll sign it? it because I need to work and a man needs to work. But I am writing, putting it on record that this is a complete lie and I'm doing it under protest. So, motherfuckers, I am in the crosshairs at work. But I am bold enough and brave enough to sit there and go, come on, motherfuckers, let's do it. I'm fighting for all you motherfuckers out there. Well, that's good. We need you. Thank you, King, for the call. Yes, sir. All right, have a good one. He better watch out, though. He better not He better not say anything. Uh, three strikes, I mean, he's just... Then he just gets escorted out. Doesn't matter how much he screams. I wonder what he said. Well, I know they accuse him of, of calling somebody in another department uh, a fa a, a, uh, an F-word. But he didn't. And I actually believe him. I, I really do. I really do believe him. Because uh, he would tell me. He would just say it. I, I, hey, I said it and whatever, and he would own it. So he does not the, not the type to lie. That's for damn sure. 100%. Well, uh, okay, into the Super Chats we go. And then we're going to, we're going to circle back around here. Anthony just got, An Anthony just got in here. Have you listened to anything yet? Listen to what? Oh, the, uh, oh, okay, the show tonight. No. You think about this. Think about your dear scene. If you had one, I mean, anything that's, maybe you don't, you, maybe nothing sticks out, but any kind of a, a moment in your life that might have seemed mundane and not really striking at all, even to yourself in other points, but for some reason, right then and there, it meant the entire world and there's something that hit you in a certain way that you carried with you 
every day since every day since just like that little exchange between in uh stand by me with the deer that memory always had of that along that trip so you can think about it it doesn't have to be now we're going to be on for another 20 minutes just in case you wanted to jump in yeah i'll think about it okay here we go trixie cat says i had a rough week you and matt have made me laugh and lifted me up your chat is awesome thank you thank you trixie great to have you here uh stoves tube says dan schumann kicks it off on a friday uh nice i got your back dan makes it happen again be well brother also many many prayers for skip this weekend and always thank you for that thank you thank you so much and stoves tube again wonderful deer scene friday listen uh thank you frank and matt great weekend gents and dooku dan says hi frank what would the deer scene be like if you switched out the deer with another animal like matt's kitten or a character from another King novel, like Jack Torrance or Pennywise. Well, I mean, you can. It doesn't have to be a deer. I'm not looking for people who had a, an, a, exchange or a, encounter with a deer. It's like, what is your metaphorical deer scene? I mean, it could be. It doesn't have to be an animal. Just something that took that place. Something you saw happen, or. <laughs> I don't know. You can hear the little squealing. Let's see her again, That's Matt. Great. She's hungry. I love that. Let's see her. Oh, what's she eating? Some kitten food. Is it different? Is, is, here, just, turn just, around a little bit. We just see the back of her head. I just got to go run and get a, a plastic spoon. Look, Look at her. You got a plastic spoon? Yeah. Yeah. Look at her going going I to just, town. Uh, just make sure she doesn't walk off the table. Well, I saw a deer. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I saw a deer in, in um, Grandma's backyard. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, of course, I told everybody that wasn't that doesn't count because I, I was so excited that I told everybody. Well, it's not something it's not, not necessarily something that you don't ha you don't want to tell anybody, but it's just something that was so special to you that even if you did tell them, they wouldn't understand. Yeah. And I remember that morning with the de when the the deer walking through Grandma's backyard, which is very rare for over there. There was two of them, right? No, there was one. I just, I just noticed uh, it was a, uh, a doe. I, I, I just never seen anything like that. I just looked out. I looked outside the, the glass windows, and I just saw this doe just staring, like just standing there, clear as day, just staring at me back. That's it. This big ass doe. I actually, well, I saw a deer on on King Street the other day. No, no. Uh, Ridge Street the other night been seeing I haven't been seeing deer around and you know what I guess it's we used to have a lot of rabbit around here there's no more I, I don't see any rabbit anymore there's a they, couple I, there's not as much as they used to be like three years ago they were as they were as common as squirrel and look at that thing she's a hungry kitty oh she's standing up it's so cute anyway Here's Necro Robo Man says. Con oh wait, wait. This is before continued. Necro Robo, a dear, dear moment. This will answer two of your questions at once. I was in my dorm room enjoying free online stepmom documentaries when I got uh, when I glanced down and noticed that a spider was on my member. Oh no. Oh god. Uh, it and I locked eyes as I began to pollute the room. Oh no. You know that polluting. 
we learned that this week because we were doing uh, etymology, occult etymology. We're looking at the, the, the history of words. But the I think it's like a 14th or a 13th century definition of polluting is a reference to masturbation. So polluting a room, that's what you know what's going on there now. He continues, Danny Katz would know what I mean, but in that brief moment... The idea of robo-necromancy, or as we call it in the lab, spider dick grips, was born. Now you know. Meow, Matt. Love you, Frank. Wow. <laughs> President-elect uh, pressure, 609, says number of the beast. And Gino, this was an hour ago. This is what we did before. Okay. Now, um, one last thing we're going to do tonight is go through the foxhole... And then I want to play you a little something as a parting shot. I don't know when we're going to do the the Saturday broadcast in in August. It may be next week, but we have to do that again because we did not do one in July for a multitude of personal reasons, and it just wasn't lining up. But in Foxhole, and thank you, everybody, for what you've sent there. Jules, prayers for your family, Frank, and Skip. Thank you. Sean Joe. Me and Anthony were just with Skip a little while ago, and he, he can attest. He's very grateful for all the attention people have paid. Um, Vixter, 27, says, Love you, Frank. Cave Toad, thanks, Frank, and love and blessings to your fam and friends. Sandwich. Okay, we got a sandwich over there. Great. I'm hungry. Cave Toad again. Let's see. John B. Wells got a 90-day ban from YouTube. Wow. John Wells probably doesn't delete his shows, and um, he he and he goes there. So I love listening to him on Talkstream Live. Anyway, uh, my friend, coworker, and fellow listener Gail just quit smoking. Can you give her some props? Says Doug six two five. Matt, why don't you give her props? Congratulations! I quit smoking, but not the nicotine. But I haven't had a, actually. I had a cigarette the other day, and I can have a cigarette, and I don't have any cravings after it. I don't like them anymore. Well, that's good. That's great. And uh, I, I'm so happy for anybody that, that throws away cigarettes. And I'm so happy for anybody that does it. Happy, happy liberation, Gail. Stick to it. Cave Toad says, send, sending a link that I can't get you. You have to send links in email. Rook Castle, for Matt and all the Boss Dragon energy, Trump speaking tonight and Fios dropped OAN. Oh, they did? Fios dropped OAN now. And it's not, and honestly, it's... So now where are they? Nowhere? They're nowhere. Nowhere I know. Because didn't DirecTV drop them? I think, yeah. Well, ION? AON. Oh. One American News Network. So oh. if Fios and, and DirecTV already, just incredible. Sean Anon, Frank, brother, I appreciate this because it's making me stop and acknowledge the signs and the little things. I'm glad you bring up the little things because we're going to end on this note here too. Uh, any plans for new forum? I would never have joined Predit. Um, yeah, I'm looking into the forum thing. The problem is that a lot of the forums that mimic Reddit as far as stability and the look and, and the functionality are forums like I saw that Hive forum and it looked really cool. And then if there's Steemit and stuff like that there too. But once I, I looked at the sign-up process and I don't have a problem. I have a crypto wallet. So I would be able to link one thing up with it. But when I saw that you need a crypto wallet to join a lot of these things, 
I said that would eliminate so much of the audience from participation off the bat that um, I'm, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look into some custom forums that we could integrate into the website, even if I have to pay for it, and, um, and just write it off or something. That's what I think we can do, because I really don't care about being a part of a larger platform. I just need a forum that I can direct people to, and we can start building our show threads again. You know, we've, we've got the Discord. We've got so many other, quite frankly, related um, social media portals that we don't really need a Reddit. It was, it was more so about building threads. And nothing, nothing of merit is going to survive on Reddit long anyway, uh, unless you're a nut, a complete nut. And then you'll do well. Okay. Um, where we got it? Uh, Sean and on the last three we have here. You got to hear Aaron Rodgers talk about the ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. That's it's well, it's spelled like Iowa with a Scott at the end. Yeah. Uh, experience with psychedelics, profound. Aaron Rodgers, huh? He seems like he would do that. Yeah, he had. That's what he says. Uh, his two back-to-back MVP seasons were because of that. Really? Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. We got to find this. We got to talk about it next Friday or something. Um. He said experience contributed. His experience. Oh, you're right. Here he is. Contributed to his best season ever. Hmm. Well, hey. lazy kitty says Jay Brewskis. Thank you guys and gals uh, so much. No, I'm going to be releasing the scratching now, and we will uh, we'll say goodbye to you in just a little bit. And people will be going over there for movie night, Friday night movie night on QuiteFrankly.tv. So get there. So here's how we're going to end this one. And I want to make sure that I did not miss anything on the other super chat. Captain Castiron said, "Reanimated spiders playing God has consequences." Yes, indeed. Indeed it does. So I'm not going to be reanimating spiders anytime soon. And thank you, Dig Meme Prey. Would a cat do this? That's what they said. <laughs> okay. I'm going to leave you with something. I'm going to leave you with something. It's from a... It's from a... Um, it's from that HBO f- series, John Adams, that I, I told you guys about last night. Haven't played this in a long time. And it's a scene at the end when John and Thomas Adams are walking through his farm, and he's talking about how his perspective on things have changed, where he has come face-to-face with the Queen of France that is just completely bedazzled in jewels. And everything about her, form and figure, really does not even size up to the smallest of creatures and littlest of observations he makes around his property every day now that he's in his advanced age. And he said something else pretty profound here. It's about a minute long. I'm going to leave it with you. Take a listen to this. I have seen a queen of France with 18 million levers of diamonds on her person. But I declare that all the charms of her face and figure added to all the glitter of her jewels did not impress me as much as that little shrub right there. My mother always said that I never delighted enough in the mundane. But now I find if I look at even the smallest thing My imagination begins to roam the Milky Way.
father? Rejoice, Elmore. Well, it's a phrase from St. Paul, you fool. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore! <laughs> and that's, I, uh, my mother always told me, that's the quote, my mother always told me that I never delighted enough in the mundane. But now I find that even if I look at the smallest thing, my imagination begins to roam the Milky Way. You know, those little moments in life that float by, many uh, times unnoticed, are more valuable than gold. And that's really where it all, that's really where it all lies. So whether it be locking eyes with a deer on a train tracks or suddenly being struck by the intelligent design in every little blossom that presses through the asphalt in your driveway, that's, that's where all those little magic moments are. And you know, there's a little bit more here too. There's a little bit more. I, I, I gotta say, there is one more deer scene that I would... I would share, and it happened on air years and years ago. Years ago. Um, I think it just struck me as something that was... Uh, we were on the air, me, Anthony, and Mike, we were doing a show, it was either a Tuesday or a Thursday night, probably in either 2007 or 2008. Probably 2007-ish. And... I was reading through some of our grandfather's letters during World War II, writing back to our grandmother here in, in the United States. And it, it's, it was just incredible because inside of the, the letter, he was talking about the first time they ever met. We had just found these letters. My mother had just found the big stack of these letters, so I was reading through them. And he was pretty much describing to my grandmother as he wrote back home to her, reminiscing about the, the, the timing and circumstances with which they met and what was on the radio at the time. And he, he talked about uh, uh, playing Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree and gazing up at the moon and, and seeing all that stuff. And when we were in the middle of the show and we were reading through some of his, his letters, just because it was a throwback, and obviously very personal, but still, it was. It started to strike me, and I, I got a little bit choked up too, just because of the the power of the moment. That right there in that moment, I was in the presence of the letter, the moon, and we even we played the we played the song. We put "Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree" um, on just to be able to complete the triumvirate there. Now, of course, our grandparents weren't around, but still, it was just. It was just an incredible moment because in the letter, our tough grandfather wasn't, he wasn't just the, uh, the lovable tough guy that we always knew, but he was, uh, he was been reduced to a love-struck, homesick, 20-something-year-old boy that was away at war. And I, at that moment, was holding in my hands one of the, the surviving relics of that love. And, and listening to the same song and under the same moon that they admired, incredible. Because that's that, the moon outside and much of the, the night sky is something we have in common with many of our ancestors. They all looked at it the same damn way. Everybody who has ever lived looked up at that moon. That's, uh, so I have many incredible moments doing this show or other shows, regardless of how many people were watching or listening. And that night, as Anthony can tell you, probably not many people were watching or listening. No. Not at all. Probably like 20. At least. 
at least seven, but maybe at most nine. It really wasn't that. It really wasn't that much, but did a lot more and a lot more to do. I hope everybody has a wonderful night. Anything you guys want to say before we leave? Nothing. No. Anthony, how's life? Great. Good. Anthony, Can't complain. Anthony was uh, Anthony was going to do an event in Germany. I was, and then it got canceled. It got oh, canceled. In October, right? Yeah, no, yeah. it was going to be in September. September. But I'm doing the um, the race. I was going to go and do the Vermont, the Spartan race over in Vermont, the 13 mile race beforehand, and then go like right afterwards to Germany. But so I actually am kind of looking forward to that now because now I get to just do the race. And not have to go to Germany. Right, and just, just come back and relax. Right. So not like, not like there's any breather between the two. Right. So, well, hey, who knows? Maybe next time around, he suspects it's probably something COVID-related. It, it is. It's definitely something, like, it's definitely something to do with all that stuff. Well, Germany's nuts. So you just never know. A lot of these things, a lot of these things might might rear their ugly heads again but thank you guys and gals for everything uh monday is a new week we have great friends coming in for visits and all that stuff and um i appreciate your time here remember before you go anywhere consider opening up a browser tab to quite frankly tv right now and you will be able you will be able to have a nice movie night experience with us all and who knows what happens afterwards I will see you sometime over the weekend. I usually drop in here and there. If you become a monthly sponsor, you will be able to get an invite to Sunday's Unlisted live stream, which is always a great time for all. So, good night. Don't hesitate to send me some email because I will put all of your experiences toward next year's show. And, uh, and be on the lookout for more good stuff. I will see you soon and have a wonderful evening. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film for a live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with Captain Cast Iron, Trixie Cat, Stostube, Dooku Dan, Necro Robo Man, President Elect, Pressure, 609, Gino, Quinn from Texas, Cody, Weedston, and Dan Schumann, who started it all. Thank you so much for your support, your generosity, and your time. I'll see you next week.